I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie. Today I'm talking about Deborah Green, the worst mom in America. Content warnings are for suicide and the call coming from inside the house. Come join us on Patreon. We have a general support tier as well as a tier that gets you three bonus episodes a month and always add free regular episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at tell no one podcast or send us an email at tell no one pod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything is alleged, but this is definitely tell no one. Enjoy. Deborah Jones was born in 1951 to her parents, Joanne and Bob. She was exceptionally intelligent, like genius level. Joanne was determined to have her daughters go to college and have successful careers because she had dropped out of college to get married. So she was a little living vicariously through her kids. Yeah. A little bit of like what my life could have been. Yeah. Um, So she demanded excellence from them. Uh, Deborah was like a lazy student, but got straight A's anyway, because she was just brilliant. Mm -hmm. They move around a few times while she's in high school. She's very popular in the class of 1969. She's clever, witty, but she's very academically focused. So she doesn't drink, do drugs or anything really like that. Yeah. She's into science and math. She's a woman in STEM, but she's also a cheerleader and on the student council. Uh, She dates a guy named Greg for two years. She's co-valedictorian. Um, and goes to the University of Illinois, where she gets her first B. Um, and she, like, really has a breakdown about it. Um, her and Greg drift apart. He's at a community college, and she doesn't think he's smart enough for her. Is that a prerequisite for being with you? Absolutely, it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's in college. She wants to be an engineer. But they're they're saying, like, the engineer field is too saturated. Like, it would be better for her if she wanted to, like, make money to be a doctor. So Are they, she- like, hand in hand? They're not hand in hand. It's just like a smart people thing. Yeah. All right. So like a smart, like be a lawyer and you got the kind of brain that could get anything. Yeah. Like which high paying field do you want to go into? Yeah. Okay. So she's a chemistry pre-med major and graduates in less than three years. She meets a guy named Dwayne Green and they get married while she's in med school. Okay. She goes to med school at uh, University of Kansas. And um, during one of her classes, she meets a student named John Hacker Just put a pin in that. Just remember him. Uh, She finishes med school in three years and was an MD by 1975. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. um, I'm worried about when you're going to crack. If you're on, on, on. Exactly. (laughs) So she starts off really enjoying being in the emergency room rotation, but then eventually finds it boring because people were coming in with mundane complaints. Um, but she's like, they're so stupid that if they had gone to like their primary care, they wouldn't be coming to the ER with a strep throat, which is like ignorant fucking take, Deborah. Yeah. So she moves to oncology, um, but she says that's too depressing and leaves that as well. What is that cancer? Yeah. Well, yeah, you're a medical doctor. Anything people don't come to you when they're doing fucking great. Right. So meanwhile, her marriage to Dwayne is not amazing and they separate in the late 70s. This is when she starts like living her life. She's she's a doctor. She's making money. She's a single gal. Mm-hmm. She's traveling. She's dating. She buys a Jaguar. And what are we like 29? Yeah. And she's like good looking relatively and doing her little Samantha Jones moment. Okay. This is when she meets Michael Farrar. He's a med student. He's four years younger than her and he's beginning his senior year rotation. He thought she was like fucking cool. Like she's this like doctor in a Jaguar live in La Vida Loca. Up to now, I too find her to be very cool. Yeah. He said that she's the smartest woman he'd ever met. He's impressed by her and her success. 
So they start living together. They don't have an amazing sex life, but he's like, we're just so fucking busy. Like I'm, she's a doctor. I'm doing my rotation in the ER. We're busy. Yeah. We have other priorities. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he does start to have some concerns about her temper. She has like rage outbursts every once in a while. But despite that, they get married. He's disappointed when she does not want to have sex on their honeymoon at all. Okay. And she also decides to just keep her last name Green, which is her ex-husband's last name. She just keeps that. Maybe she liked it better. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. She says it's for like professional reasons. So she goes back to emergency medicine, um, but people don't love her. Like patients do not like her. She would explode in anger if other doctors like questioned her diagnoses or what she was thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think you have a lot pent up. Like, you're trying to be fucking perfect. Right. Her bedside manner was described as confrontational. Fuck, man. And I want to be clear, like, a lot of the shit I'm thinking right now is, like, I'm filtering it through, like, would I be thinking that if she were a man? And, yeah. like, yeah, I would. Yeah. I If a, if you're talking about a man, I'd be yelling right now. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, I yeah. don't think that it is, like, well, you're being a bitch. It is, like, no, you're being, like, a really confrontational, weird human being. Like, heartless. Like, you're being pretty heartless. Yeah, and, like, you know that regular people um, are real, too, even if they're not a fucking IQ of whatever. She does not believe that. Okay. Uh, she's disgusted by dumb who people who she thinks are dumb so she sees a lot of them in the er and she's repulsed by them you can't be mad at people for being normal and regular not a doctor yeah and like, it's like you're getting paid what what the fuck <laughs> yeah who cares what you're treating in the er do it so basically her career is not like flourishing because she's kind of developing a reputation of being a bad doctor completely and like the way you conduct yourself is like a part of the service you're providing yes if you're a dick yeah people aren't gonna want to be around you well there's a good doctor who isn't a dick and we'll hire them like getting yelled at while you're in er go fuck yourself so meanwhile she's kind of floundering in her career but mike's career is rising he he started off being like the student boyfriend and now he's like the cardiologist husband um and he's also becoming worried that she's using narcotics he found a bottle of percodan in their house with a patient's name on it i'm worried too then she says oh yeah like i picked that up for him and i forgot to give it to him what are you talking about first he's like all right maybe like a weird situation but it kept happening and he's like okay that's not normal practice right okay yeah, you can't game him. He's a doctor too. Right. Like, he knows that you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Okay. So they get pregnant. Um, they're happy to have a baby. Um, Timothy Farrar was born in 1982. She leaves the emergency room again and goes to um, hematology and oncology. She's bouncing around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1984, they have their daughter, Kate. She takes her oncology boards twice and fails both times. And she's like in a rage about this. Hmm. Mike passes his cardiology boards and she's like furious. I don't know what to tell you, girl. He's like, I was studying. She didn't study. Like she thought she could pass just by being smart and you didn't. Like she did in eighth grade. Right. It's not high school. This is your oncology boards. And I get like, even today, there's a feeling among a lot of people that the mother should be doing the majority of the parenting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she felt that a little bit, right? Like, well, she did take time off to like stay with her kids and did blame him for her failing, being like, I was taking care of the kids, but she had hired nannies. Sure. But I mean, like, I'm willing to allow for a little bit of that, mm-hmm. a little bit of like, look, you had to carry children. You had to give fucking yes. birth. That I'm sure you went through a lot emotionally. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of the parenting fell to you 
But why would you think that you could not try? Not try. Yeah. I get that it might not be fair why you didn't feel like you had time to try. Mm -hmm. But why are you confused when you didn't try and you didn't win? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Like, I bet and I lost. Yeah, like A, B, C. Right. Uh, So she goes on to practice. You can practice without being board certified, but you're probably going to get fewer referrals from other doctors and insurance sometimes won't pay out to you. It's just not ideal. 1986, Mike is invited to join a cardiology practice in Kansas City. So they up and move there. She starts working at a practice and after a year, she expects to be offered a partnership, but she was not. Um, They said she was terrible with patients and suspected that she might be using drugs. Mm. Terrible with cancer patients? You know I'm unwell. You know I'm vulnerable. Can and she's you treating treat me you- with like dignity? What the fuck? Like she's treating you like you're an idiot. I'm not the doctor. You're the fucking doctor. Right. Ew. Um, they had even called Mike and been like, what's wrong with her? Like she's like slurring her words and she's like has an uneven gait. Like what's going on? Well, how do we feel about that? About it's calling sh- the calling the husband to complain about the wife at her work? If it's like a, if she's slurring her words and having, Mm. I'm like, did she have a stroke? Okay. Or is like, is there something going on that we don't know about that we should know about? Because we'll fire her if Mm. there's not a reasonable health concern here. Got it. Yeah. Got it. it. Like, is there something going on that we don't know about? Yeah. And he's like, I think there's something going on I don't know about. (laughs) (laughs) Because he had also noticed that at home that she is slurring her words and has like glazed eyes and is being on drugs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she leaves that practice and opens her own. But she soon gets pregnant with their third, a daughter named Kelly, who was born in 1988. She starts getting suspicious of Mike that he's having an affair, which he isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's still having her major temper tantrums, which is like yelling at waiters, uh, yelling at people in public. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do we have like an issue? Like, do we have them? We have a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) They diagnose her with a few things, but she might just be a dick. Um, So they travel a lot. And they have, like, the best time when they're traveling. They're, like, going to Disneyland. They're going all over the place. But she makes travel, like, the actual traveling days, miserable because she's causing scenes at the airport. She's yelling at the clerks at the airport, whatever. She's pulling, like, a Reese Witherspoon and saying, don't you know, like, we're doctors. We should be treated better. We're physicians. What? Yeah. She's very uppity about that. Humiliating to be her child. Mm. I would love to burrow into the fucking ground. Yes, they are. My mom is yelling at fucking Kochek. Yeah, they're humiliated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She tries to reestablish her practice after Kelly's born. um, And she's also on staff at a hospital. But while you're on staff, they look at it as like it's a financial decision. If you bring in a lot of patients to the hospital, they'll keep you on. And if you don't bring in any, they don't have a reason to pay you. So they let her go. Mm. Um, And in 1989, she just decides to be a stay at home mom. Yeah, you don't have to be a doctor. Go be in the research end of things. Like, right. you don't have to be in the public. Yeah, like, you might have, like, the technical knowledge, yeah. but you... That doesn't mean you should be a doctor. Go look at a fucking... Go look at a telescope. <laughs> Go look in a telescope. <laughs> Go be an astrologist. I don't know. Astronomer! <laughs> I, too, am not a fucking doctor. <laughs> Leave it in. Um, but she does start doing, like, freelance stuff on, like, the back end of, like, Medicaid stuff. So non-patient-facing. <laughs> non-patient-facing stuff. And that works for her. Fine. Yeah, like, you're brilliant. You're a brilliant. You're a beautiful mind. <laughs> you're a beautiful girl. 
But like, you're bad with people. People don't like you. You don't like them. Fair. So Michael finds another stash of drugs. Turns out she has been calling in prescriptions for patients and then just picking them up herself. That doesn't fuck with their chart. Yeah. And she's also pretending to be the patients. Like doctors do not go pick up your prescription for you. No. So he's like, you're going to go to jail for this. And like that had to have been before any kind of online portal for like my yes. chart. Yeah. Like I'm in my chart daily. Like, what am I on? <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. the doctor were like calling in fake shit for me, yeah. I'd know immediately. You're like, why do I need Oxycontin? <laughs> <laughs> when did I pick that up at Mountain View CVS? <laughs> what south burlington costco pharmacy rub rub my eyes (laughs) (laughs) okay so he's this seemed to scare her a little bit so that stopped for a little while Mm. or she got craftier yeah because this is stupid this is blatant shit yeah also their house is kind of always in borderline squalor get a maid they have a maid and Mm. the, the maid will clean but it won't last for hours like it she's just filthy they have their what? dog like pissing and shitting on the floor <laughs> so mike comes home after a long day of being a cardiologist and his huge house is covered in piss and shit <laughs> and his stay-at-home that wife won't do is at home and they have a maid that won't do that certainly won't do <laughs> all i ask is to not have shit on the floor we have like a pen full of animals. Like, what are we doing? No, like, well, the odd thing is, is like, she's a very attentive mother, but is just a little cookie, mm, a little cracked. Yeah. Huh. Uh, she starts getting like, look, <laughs> <laughs> and rule says she gained 50 pounds, would only wear unisex t-shirts and pajamas during the day and stopped wearing makeup cut her hair into like a masculine haircut hmm. um, and just basically did not take any initiative in her appearance anymore. Okay. Okay. Just note that T- to look however you want to look great. Fine. Yeah. But yeah, from like a mental health point of view, like right. there was a shift here dramatically and out of the blue. Right. Right. She joins a tennis club and some of the women are like, yeah, she's an incredible mom. She really cares about her kids. Um, but she can also rage out at her children's sports games, like at other kids. And sometimes she would just hit herself in the head and legs until she was bruised in public. Kendall. Ooh, very chilling. Yeah. Her kids are there in public when that happens. She would hit herself in the head or the leg. Yeah. Like just mm, mm, out of rage. Oh my God, like a kind of like, I want to be hitting you, but I'm going to hit me. Yeah. Or like, I'm mad at myself. I'm not really sure, but she would get like, have tan. These are tantrums. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, no. Yeah. I'm imagining them in Costco. And I'm really not, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. <laughs> I am not digging that. So Michael is just focusing on his career, but he's really committed to trying to make this marriage work and improving it. They've been together a while, no? Right? They have three kids. Yeah. What are we going to do? But she is like changed before my very. Yes. Okay. Um, when she's angry, she would complain to Tim, their oldest, as if he were an adult. Mm. And that would put a strain on Tim's relationship with his father because she would complain to him about his dad. So she would encourage him to disobey his father. Um, Mike and Deborah are fighting more and more often, but eventually Mike just doesn't even bother arguing back with her anymore. Mm hmm. Like, I want to have a peaceful home. Yeah. And it's like, there's no reasoning. Like, I'm not even going to... If only you could ever know why you're yelling right now, Mm -hmm. I can't even engage with it. Like, what can I do? It's 1994, and Mike decides it... 
I gotta go. I gotta throw the towel. Right. She's like, I'm stunned, but her tennis friends are like, why are you stunned? You've been telling us he's been having an affair. Um, she's on that. She's on that. Okay. Uh, after he tells her the next few weeks, she completely flips and is like amazing normal. Um, but Mike's like, this is too little too late, sister. Yeah. And I don't think that it will be lasting change. Mm. This an everlasting love. Mm -hmm. When he says like, no, I'm serious. She stomps down to the basement where Tim is starts throwing lamps around breaking shit screaming saying god damn he's gonna cheat us out of everything that's ours tell me who are you talking to i'm tim tim poor tim you know that i'm your child right who the hell are you talking to she tells tim that his father's cheating um that she's gonna have to go back to work where will we live who will take care of the children tim's like i am the children (laughs) tim turns out to be taking care of everybody yeah i feel that from him how old are we by now 12 Oh my God, Tim. Yeah. He should not be worried about this shit. 12, 13. He's trying to console her and is not speaking to his father. Like he is totally on her side. Yeah. And I'm sure that like people who are that emotionally um, big, like taking up that much emotional room. Yeah. I'm sure that her narrative is like the only one he's really getting. Like there's no room for his dad to, to give another narrative for him. Yeah. I'm sure he does like really believe that his dad had an affair, ruined their family, yeah. fucked their mom over. Right. Mm. I know. So Mike moves into an apartment and takes the kids there a few times a week. They are still really angry with him. Um, yeah. Him and Deborah's relationship is improving a little and they consider getting back together. But he says, if we're going to get back together, I think we should buy a new house. Like this one's kind of falling apart. It needs a lot of work done. Let's just have a fresh start. A new, we need a new fucking beginning here. Right. And do not cover it in pee. So this gets her excited. So she goes like house hunting and she finds like this mansion and shows Mike and he gets really excited about it too. It's 5,000 square feet. Hmm. 5,000 square feet to piss on. To piss on. The dog's like, (laughs) yes. So they start moving on this house, but Mike starts to get cold feet. And he's like, I think we're only getting along because we're separated. We are not living together. Yeah. There could be truth to that. Yeah. Like, I think we're getting along because we're not fighting because we're not living together. Mm. Uh, So he backs out of the house purchase. Uh, A few days later, he gets a call at work that his house is on fire. Oh, we've taken a big fucking leap. The neighbor says, I'm pretty sure that Deborah and the kids aren't inside, but you should come. So he races home. There are seven fire trucks, smoke billowing out of the house. He calls Deborah and she says that Tim's playing soccer and the girls are with her in the car with their dog. Uh huh. She comes home and she's like, oh, I'm so happy I listened to Tim and took the dog with us because it would have died. The fire investigators find that the fire started in the basement and had gone up the laundry chute. And it caused $80,000 worth of damage. Like their house is destroyed. It's like Mm -hmm. ashes. Holy shit. The insurance company sent out an arson investigator. um, And they found that the cord of a dehumidifier was wrapped around a copper pipe so tightly that it got very hot and caught nearby wood planking on fire. But that was not arson in their estimation. That could have happened. That could have happened. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. She did it, but. (laughs) (laughs) She fucking did it, but fine. Um, Mike's friend was like, Deborah set this fire, of course. The timing. The timing is ridiculous. You would not move with her to a new home, and she burned down the old one, and now you have to. (laughs) And now you have... It's days later after he did that. Yeah, come on. And she took the dog out of the house? Yeah, the one moment of the day where there was no one inhabiting the home. Like, come on. Mike was like, of course she didn't. Um, Mike... Know your know thy wife. Mike, it takes a long time to come around. <laughs> Men do. Right. Slow on the uptake. Slow on the uptake. Um 
Yeah, so they determined that it was an electrical fire. So they all move into his apartment, reconcile, and they purchase the mansion. Yeah. They get the insurance money from the fire, and so they actually earn $20,000 from this whole ordeal. Oh, no. Not positive reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're feeling optimistic. Uh, She's cooking, cleaning, decorating the new home. Like, she's excited. Mm -hmm. Mike has recommitted himself to the marriage, um, but the good times only rolled for, like, six months. (sighs) Okay, well, Tim... Hope you enjoyed your <laughs> hope you enjoyed your time. Oh my god. <laughs> so Mike realizes this is I don't love her. Um he actually goes on to say that they had never proclaimed love to each other at all ever. Huh? Yeah, like they never had like a passionate love romance at all. I love being a doctor with you. And yeah, I love being a doctor with you. Dear. Yeah. And now we have children and I love being a parent and whatever the fuck. Right. But I'm not sure if I love you. Yeah. Oy vey. So the house falls into chaos again. They're not sleeping together. But how? Like, what kind of filth are we in? I don't know. You could get any help in the world you needed. She has it. But she's filthy. That's it. Like, and they have like little kids or they have like one of them's really little. I guess she just leaves her shit around, leaves food around, leaves dishes around. It piles up. I know. But God damn it. I know. I'm saying, God damn it, too. All three of us, me, you, and Mike, are saying, God damn it. And Tim. And Tim. God um, damn it, Mom. Oh. Okay. So before Mike wants to tell Deborah it's over for real, mm. he's like, I'm going to wait until we all go on this trip to Peru with Tim's school. So, like, Tim's class is going to Peru, and Deborah and Mike are going to go with him as, like, chaperones. Chaperones. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to wait till we do that. Mm hmm. Yeah, like, I don't want to fuck up Tim's Peru trip. Exactly. Not Tim's Peru. He's been waiting forever for this. (laughs) This is where John Hacker comes back in. Remember him? Yeah. Margaret Hacker, his wife, is a stay-at-home mom, former nurse, and has a son who's in the grade with Tim. John is now an anesthesiologist, um, but he's always battled depression. He's always been a very sad guy. So John becomes more and more depressed over the years and had discussed divorce with Margaret. In 1994, John had brought a gun to Margaret and asked her to hide it from him because he did not trust himself around it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he had been, without her knowledge, he had been slowly increasing his life insurance. Um, That is like reverse everything we we usually usually talk talk about. about. (laughs) He's like really trying to leave them a lot and like really help them. And wants to. And he wants wants to die. die. (laughs) Most of these people we talk about don't want to die. And Margaret wanted him to live. Right. So Margaret meets Mike on the planning committee for the Peru trip. And they both have a partner who they cannot be around. Exactly. So the Mother's Day before the trip, um, Deborah, Mike, and Tim all go out to dinner with Deborah's mother. During the dinner, Tim and Mike are arguing and fighting, and Tim calls him a motherfucker. He then punches Mike and breaks his nose. Wow. Bad relationship. Bad relationship and Tim can't be mad at the mom. Right. She's so fragile. There might be like he's putting all of his anger about the situation. Them as the parental unit towards the dad who's the more stable figure who could maybe handle it. Safer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a safer parent to lash out at. Yeah. He won't like burn your life down like your mom literally did. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. So they go on the Peru trip. Um, Margaret was a little jealous of Deborah on the trip because she was with her husband and John had stayed home, you know, like they appeared to have a really great marriage, mm-hmm. but she was like, damn, she looks like shit, basically. Deborah? Yeah. Well, she feels like shit. Right. 
Deborah is actually like killing it on the trip though. Like she's well liked. Like everything looks normal. Two days after they get home from the trip, Mike stops by Margaret's house to show her and like give her some photos mm-hmm. um, from the trip and they begin an affair. Mm-hmm. Right. Party. <laughs> Late July, he tells Deb that he does want a divorce after all. And she does not wait to tell the children together as a unit. She says, your dad lied to us and is leaving us after all. Okay, who is us, baby? Like, Right, who is us? I'm not married to dad. Ew, good point. Dad's not divorcing me. And why are you trying to make me feel like that? Right. He's leaving you. Right. Kids are furious. I punched him a week ago and he's in my life. Right. And he continued to go to Peru with me. Right. Um, so Deborah moves to the guest bedroom in the house and starts drinking heavily. Um, one day in the fall, Mike gets a call at work from Kate, their daughter, mm-hmm. saying that they cannot wake their mother up and that there's an empty bottle of gin beside her in bed. Mm-hmm. He goes home and when he gets there, Deborah's not there. Oh, fuck. The car is still there. He's looking all around. He doesn't know where she could be. Are the children there? Yeah, they're fine. Okay. He's about to call 911 because she's worried she might do something to herself. Right. Or, okay, yeah. Or she was really drunk. Like, did she take a... Well, who knows? Mm. Um, but before he can do that, the phone rings and it's Deborah. She says, hey, I'm at a friend's house. And he's like, that's weird because to me, you don't have any fucking friends. But fine. Yeah, like, give me a name. Right. Who's? Yahoo. <laughs> oh, yeah? Who's? <laughs> Which friend? Um, so that night, she calls the house so many times that he eventually unplugged the phone so he could get to sleep. Wow. Yeah. To, do we know what she wanted each time? Like, no. hey, checking in again. Maybe. Hey, me with another friend. Yeah. Wow. He later learns that she was... <laughs> No, don't hurt me. She was not at a friend's house and she was hiding under the bed. (gasps) (laughs) She threw her headphones off. (laughs) I mean, the whole time. I actually feel fucking ill. We'll be right back. That is like an urban myth. She was using the kid's phone line to call their main phone line. The call was coming from inside the house. I want I got to the curl in on myself. I want to crawl out of. I want to. Get on the ground and crawl out of the condo. Yeah. Give me like one more minute. Like, yeah, sure. She was calling from under the bed yep. the entire night over and over. Like he came home and was like, Deborah, like looked up and down the house. She's under the bed the entire time. Calling, like taunting, like. I'm at a friend's house. I'm under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. They walked in that room to look for her. Yeah. I wish I could crawl back into the womb I came from. That is really fucked up. Yeah. It's funny because like the audio is like really far away from you. Because I'm like not You're in a back. different room. I'm now. like in another room. Um, I knew that'd get you. Yeah, you really didn't. I really had no idea. Yeah. I want to think about that for a long time. Yeah. Oh, so August 11th, Mike comes home from work. Well, what did they do? What happened? Nothing. They just move. He, I don't know if he learns that like months later or like the next day, but they just move on. All right. August 11th, Mike comes home from work um, and eats a leftover chicken salad sandwich. It tasted bitter. <sighs> Deborah says, that's weird. Our sandwiches weren't bitter. And it wasn't so bad that he stopped eating it. He ate the whole sandwich. Later that night, he is vomiting, has severe diarrhea. Mike? Yeah. Be a doctor. I know. He was on call that weekend, worked through it, but by Thursday, his symptoms are worsening. He's shaking and vomiting and cannot go to work. He's admitted to the hospital. He's severely dehydrated. His diastolic blood pressure was so low, it was undetectable. What? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think she did you like a like a Russian reporter. Exactly. About to vote against Putin. Right. She gotcha. Um, <laughs> blood work showed that he had a streptococcal infection. Um, the doctors think that the severe diarrhea caused a tear in his colon that led bacteria to seep into the, his bloodstream. And what are we going to do about that? But they do not know what caused the diarrhea. So he finally leaves the hospital on August 25th and is finally feeling okay enough to eat. Deborah makes him spaghetti, which he absolutely houses. <laughs> Mm. hours later he is violently ill oh man come on like she's giving you rancid food and then you're dying on the operating table <laughs> now you're dying like i need you to run through like a drive-thru right. when you get hungry right, right, right. <laughs> um he's readmitted to the hospital the strep infection is resolved the doctors don't know what the fuck this could be they're thinking maybe it's a something he picked up in peru could be typhoid fever or something called tropical sprue Okay. But that, those didn't completely account for everything. They're like, this is our best guess, but we really don't know. He's released again on August 30th, and he's better for a little while. Labor Day weekend, she gives him dinner and his illness returns. He is readmitted to the hospital. Um, September 9th, he gets a call from Kate saying that Deborah is drinking a lot and they're worried about her. Kate is their daughter. Yeah. Mike tells Tim, hey, dude, can you hide all the alcohol? Thanks. Hey, man, no. I actually am going to fucking crack under all the pressure, Dad. I know. Poor I'll punch f- you again. Dad? <laughs> to the moon, Dad. <laughs> to the moon if you don't get back here and do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Margaret visits him in the hospital. Deborah knows about the affair now. and But, like, would we even call it an affair? Like, they're not in a real marriage. Exactly. Exactly. Like, let him have anything. Right. Um, and Margaret had asked her husband, John, for a divorce. Mm-hmm. So he moves his stuff into a rental house. Um, Margaret has not heard from him all day. So she goes over there and finds him dead in his car with an IV in his arm connected to bags on the car seat. Huh? The bags are pentothal, which is a barbiturate, and pavulon, which is a muscle relaxant. And he had been dead for hours. What the fuck? John, not Mike. Oh. <laughs> the depressed guy who's been begging to die yeah copy that considering he had horrible depression for a long long time right tragic nonetheless Mm. when deborah finds out she is like screaming and stuff like being really dramatic and tells like everyone that margaret must have killed her killed him no why do you think that to be with her husband i didn't need to he didn't care right he we were divorcing he i found him at the rental that he had gotten because we were apart now right So before John's death, one of Margaret's relatives said that she had overheard John talking on the phone with Deborah. Hmm? Deborah getting in his ear, talking about the affair their spouses are having, making him really upset, maybe? Who knows? Goading the depression? Yeah. Yeah, you're evil. Rumors that Margaret had killed John or at least driven him to suicide are ruining her reputation in the community. He had been really dealing with a lot of dark shit for a long time. You can't make someone... Take their own life. Yeah. Um, Mike is released from the hospital on September 11th and was on a feeding tube. Yeah, because they're like, you can't eat real food. Every time you eat a real meal, you're back in here. So feeding tube it is. Oh, my God. Margaret says, I think Deborah's poisoning you. And he's like, no, that's crazy. (laughs) Come on. Think for a minute. Like, she burns your home down. He doesn't believe that. But I need you. I feel like I'm at the end of a, like, 
of like a Dakota Fanning when she was a child type thriller where I'm like, put it together, babe. Yeah, like think, think, think. Yeah, like remember it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put the pieces together. <laughs> so Deborah's still really drinking a lot and threatening suicide all the time. He looked through her purse one day and found 10 seed packets labeled castor beans. He also found a letter in her purse in Deborah's handwriting that was anonymously telling Mike that he should not divorce Deborah because she's a wonderful mother and the kids would be deprived of social standing in the future if their parents were divorced. Um, he recognized this letter from a typed copy that he had gotten in the mail. Humiliating. You've been like mailing him from concerned neighbor. Uh Like you should not leave your wife. She's really cool. (laughs) Yes. Oh no. She was really concerned with her daughters not being allowed to be part of something called the Botars, which is the bells of the American Royal. It's like a debutante ball type of thing. Uh And if they were from broken homes, they might not be allowed to be in. So that's what she's saying there. Grow up. Yeah. They're not going to be a Botar. A Botar. I don't even... Do they even want to be a Botar? Probably not. Kelly's like three or four. Like... Dude, I can, we cannot keep up a sham marriage for another decade mm-hmm. for one night of our daughter, like being auctioned off to an eligible, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. One night of magic, granted. <laughs> <laughs> one night, granted a magical night. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Grow up. She wants Tim to be a Botar escort. Free Tim. Well, this just shows like she doesn't have like normal priorities. Mm. Like it's well, just off. Yeah. Even the the community, what people think of you, girl, that cannot matter more than like the health and joy of the, your family. Right. Right. And she's, th- she's so like wrapped up in that, that she thinks that's a convincing argument to him. Like she thinks right. he will care as much as she does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he thinks, is she going to kill herself with these castor beans because they are highly toxic? No, brother. Killing you. Killing you. I've been killing you. Because if you grind up like the inside of castor beans, it makes ricin. Yeah, dude. I've been killing you like a rat. I've been killing you like a fucking rat in my basement. (laughs) I've been killing you like a rat for years and you... (laughs) will not acknowledge me (laughs) i won't be ignored dan i won't be ignored dan (laughs) but she's very much that um and he also found three used syringes and three empty bottles of potassium chloride which is strange yeah he also finds a crumpled receipt for seed packets he took all of this and hid it in the closet um and he starts feeling better the feeding tube is removed and he's fine okay but did he put it all together no mike you're a doctor dude i know like i know you're brilliant think mike think okay so he asks about the seeds and she says i'm gonna plant them and he's like no you're not you don't plant and she's like okay yeah fine i was going to kill myself with them you don't kill yourself with ricin you don't for real the i mean bare minimum she i mean she's trying to kill him and that is like a bigger issue but like the emotional manipulation of like you caught me like you've pushed me to this you know yeah like is there no way in which you will not like abuse this man (laughs) (laughs) come on have you no decency (laughs) uh so he calls the police and is like i'm scared that my wife is a threat to herself or others they come and they find her passed out on her bed in a t-shirt and underwear which is where you can find me most nights. Yeah, hot. <laughs> they have to loudly shout to wake her up. 
Uh, and when she does wake up, she flies into a rage only at Mike, though, um, and calls him a fuckhole. Damn. I hate when people say shit fuck? like that. Uh, she's fine and nice to the officers, but screams at Mike. <laughs> they had to write that in their report. Like, called him very a cordial to me, but she called her, her man a fuckhole. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so Mike shows them the empty bottles and the seed packets, and mm. they're like, noted. Mm. so they bring her to the hospital the er doctor examines her and recognized her from when she worked there and was like holy shit yeah <laughs> like it didn't get better did it <laughs> <laughs> exactly that mike comes to see her and she spits in his face yeah she spat My like God. a llama yeah Is she like tied down she should be <laughs> <laughs> no and she says you're gonna get these kids over our dead bodies mm, i don't know man like you're you're about to have a 48 hour hold. <laughs> like, I think I have them. Right. The ER doctor um, isn't sure what to do because she's like, I'm not just going to blindly believe this, like, estranged husband's word of what's yeah, happening. Yeah, and like, good, good for her. So she calls Tim. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> leave me out of it, man. I'm at hockey practice. Like, like you yeah. have to leave me out of it. Yeah. Dude, how old are we now? Like, 14? 13 still. Okay. Would love to help. I can't get there. I can't drive. You sending me a cab? What the fuck are we gonna? What am I gonna do? I know. You know that I'm her kid, right? Like right. you know I'm a kid, right? So he says, "Yeah, um, I I do agree with my dad that I think she's a little cracked right now." Another opinion from the child. Yeah. Look, lady, whichever parent can pick me up at five. <laughs> Listen, lady. <laughs> I have practice at 530. I'm going to need him willing and sober in about one hour to get from here to the gym. Okay. So Mike shows the doctor the seed packets. And so she's like, okay, noted. Um, the doctor returns to where Deborah is placed and she's gone. So the hospital searched head to toe and she's nowhere to be found. Police find her miles away walking towards home. She's returned to the ER and voluntarily admits herself into like a kind of bougie inpatient clinic. She's diagnosed with major bipolar depression and starts on a couple medications. Mm -hmm. She checks herself out four days later. Mm. So Mike does a little Googling about castor beans and he finds that they're meant to be planted in early spring. So why the fuck would she buy these in late fall? He confirms that castor beans do create ricin and there's no antidote to ricin poisoning. Like it's really bad. Mm hmm. Uh, so he goes to his doctor and they're like, yeah, this actually, you might have been poisoned with ricin. Yeah. So they order antibody tests to see if he had encountered ricin. We're waiting on those. Mm -hmm. um, she comes home. He moves out. He does not say anything about the ricin. You know, he's Good not going to show him. his cards. Good. Deborah hires a divorce attorney, the same one that John Hacker had hired before his suicide. You've been in contact. They've been in contact. Okay. She implies to her attorney that Mike and Margaret had had John killed. How do you imply that? I think she just said it. <laughs> she probably just said it. <laughs> Tim and Kate are still very angry at their father. Why? The divorce, I guess. Okay. It, you know what, though? Like, for them, I'm sure they're like, our mother is very fragile. Yes. Why Can't are you, you just, hurting her? Yeah. Can't you just stay here so she can be happy? Yeah. But, like... No. She won't be. Right. right. She can't. I, I'm beginning to think she can't be. <laughs> <laughs> this is unsolvable. Mm. Uh, she starts getting worse again, drinking more. She tells her children, quote, Margaret leads your father around by his dick. Okay, watch your mouth. 
Watch your dirty fucking mouth, Deborah. For real, get a friend. She would randomly call Mike and say, hey, you have to take the kids. I'm leaving the country to become a missionary. She wouldn't do that. She would just like disrupt his life. The neighbors, what, by the way, like, okay, Deborah. Yeah. Drop them off tomorrow. Like the- you can go be Friar Tuck if you need to. <laughs> I'll pick them up in the morning. Like, what are you fucking on about? <laughs> um, the neighbors and like other parents at school are noticing like she's not doing well. Like she's mm. cracking a little bit. Um, October 23rd, Mike picks up Tim and Kelly to go to Tim's hockey game. I knew we were playing hockey. Yeah. I was like, did I mention that already? No. Um, that night, Kate had ballet and Deborah had a therapy appointment. Great. The hockey game ends at 8.30, 8.45. They get back home. Mike walks the kids in. He hangs out for a few minutes. Doesn't really talk to Deborah, but like says bye to his kids. Tim goes upstairs to take a shower. Mike takes his mail and leaves. Tim is like a grown man. Like, <laughs> no, he's like, I have work in the morning. Yeah. Um, a little after nine, Mike is at Margaret's house. Um, he's paged at 1045 from Deborah's, their house number. He calls back. Deborah says, hey, I don't know why you were paged. The kids must have done it. But they're all asleep. And he's like, okay. She pages him again five minutes later. And she says, um, hey, by the way, my attorney approved you hiring the attorney that handles our finances. Like, it's not a conflict of interest. Good to go. And he's like, great. I've been waiting to hear about that. Perfect. Hangs mm-hmm. up. She calls again. And she's like, what are you doing? Um, and he's like, I'm at a friend's. And she's like, okay. 11.15, he's going back to his apartment. Paged again. He calls her back. She sounds drunk now. Mm-hmm. And he's annoyed. He's like, he literally, he's like, get your ass in gear, Deborah. You need to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Parents at school have noticed that you're drunk all the time and they might call Child Protective Services. Like, you're showing your ass, Deb. Yeah. You are currently in the home with our children. Right. Pull it together. And he says, also, I know you fucking poisoned me. And they're screaming at each other. He hangs up. Mm. He'd been holding that one in. Right. <laughs> A little after midnight, he gets another call. It's from a neighbor. Fuck off. She says, your house is on fire. There are five trucks here. Your wife is a fucking arsonist. That neighbor, she's attuned. Yeah, she's like, I'm sick of this. The community has become aware. Right. He rushes to the house. It's completely engulfed in flames. Are they in there? So if Tim dies, I bitch, I will fucking gut you like a fish. <laughs> so the house is on fire. And the police... And firefighters show up and Kate, Kate has climbed out of her bedroom window and is standing on the roof and her mom tells her to jump down and she does. She doesn't catch her, but she's fine. Um, the police are talking to Deborah and she says the family had a normal day. She had one or two drinks and went to her bedroom. She spoke to Tim briefly in the kitchen around 10 or 11 before he went up to bed. Kelly and Kate are in bed with their dogs. She fell asleep around 1130, spoke to Mike. She tells them, yeah, we're divorcing, but I'm not upset about it. She's awoken by fire alarms a little bit after midnight and tried to shut them off because she thought they were like a false alarm. When they don't shut off, she gets out of the house. Where are the other children? Okay. Well, she opens her bedroom door and sees smoke. She she exits the house using the deck that's attached to her bedroom. While standing on the deck, she hears Tim intercoming. They have an intercom system. He intercoms and asks what he should do. Um, What the fuck does she tell him? She says, Tim, he used to be my 13-year-old. She tells him to stay in the house what? and wait for firefighters to come and rescue him. Yeah. She runs to the neighbor's house and asks him to call 911. She returns to the house and that's when Kate is on the roof and jumps off. Um, she's being interviewed and she doesn't appear to have been crying. She seems cheerful, but she keeps referring to Tim and Kelly in the past tense and her timeline keeps changing. 
At 5.30 a.m., a a detective confirms to Deborah that Tim and Kelly had been found dead in the home. What the fuck? I really feel fucking mad. I know. Deborah is initially sad when she hears this news, but quickly turns angry and starts screaming that the firefighters had not done enough to save her children. She calls them pathetic and wants to be let out to talk to her husband and says, quote, I want to be the one to tell my husband that our babies are dead. They don't let her do that, obviously. Our babies are dead. Like, (sighs) yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. Did she think that they would put it out in time? No one really knows. Because you've been talking about them like they're dead for a minute before you found out. And the telling him to stay thing is the thing for me. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So she's released in the early morning. Mike gives her some cash, but refuses to let her stay with him, obviously. You wanted to hurt him that badly. You killed your kid to hurt him. Yeah. You are literally like beyond nature. Right. She gets a hotel room and her lawyer visits her there and thinks she's like so fucked up that she's like unable to care for herself. She's like repeatedly asking if they are really dead and like kind of chanting that they are dead. Hmm. Um, so she's admitted to the hospital for a little while and then released. The police talk to Mike who tells them everything that had been going on in their marriage and his events of the night. He files for divorce that day and petitions for custody of Kate, but Kate is put in the care of her grandparents. Kate says that she woke up to smoke seeping into her room. She called to her brother. Fuck off. Yeah. And did a hang up call to 911 so the police would be alerted. She crawled out of her window and is very much on her mom's side and is very angry at her father. Well, she's a little girl. Right. Um, I'm a little bit broken by her calling her big brother. I know. Uh... Things like that are like, I don't know what kind of punishment I could want for Deborah that would be bad enough. Right. It's like, I don't know who, what are you? Yeah. 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 You're not a fucking human woman. Like, what are you? Kate does acknowledge that her mom had been drinking a lot, but. So the fire investigation rules out common causes of accidental fires, which are electrical and um, like furnace related. Mm -hmm. The basement had not been the point of origin, but there were two small fires down there, which indicated that someone had set them. Mm Mm-hmm. There are poor patterns on the ground on the second and first floor of some flammable liquid, and it had gone to block off the stairway, preventing the kids from being able to go down the stairs. The poor patterns also stopped at the door of her bedroom. They believe it was between three and ten gallons um, and quickly determined that it was arson. It's very obvious. So on October 26th, they call in another task force to start looking at this as a homicide investigation. They take hair samples from Mike and Deborah and are looking for singeing from fire setting. If you like set something on fire and it poofs up like that, you're going to get singeing. Mm -hmm. Mike had none and Deborah had significant singeing, even though she had gotten her hair cut twice since the fire. Mm -hmm. She had denied coming into contact with flames at all. So this is weird. If you were him and you found out that she fucking killed them. Yeah. I don't know. If I found out my partner had like set the fire. I think I'd have a hard time not fucking literally committing murder, too. Well, it's like, oh, you want to bring it here? It's like, oh, we're doing Wild West shit? Yeah. Then I'm going to shoot you in the head. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, you deserve it. And you deserve it. They were children. Like, you are rotten to the core, evil. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm the sheriff now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm killing you. (laughs) Yeah. So, November... 
Um, Mike has to have brain surgery for an aneurysm believed to be caused by his poisoning. He also has developed endocarditis as a result of the poisoning, which are really dangerous. Like people are not sure he will survive the surgery. November 22nd, Deborah is arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder, two counts of attempted murder and one count of arson. Mm -hmm. And they have a show cause hearing, which is not a trial, but there is like a a defense and prosecution. Mm -hmm. The defense claims that Tim set the fire and get this. They also blame Mike's poisoning on Tim because he cooked most of the meals. Okay. (laughs) I think we're painting a pretty good picture of family life. Yeah, I think Tim's a stand-up kid. Your Honor, we need a new... We have a new problem. What were you doing while your 12-year-old cooked everything? She's blackout drunk. That is your baby who died, and you're letting them talk about him like that in court? Yeah. That's where I'm like... she must have meant for them to die. She did. I think she did. I think she did. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. A friend testified that Tim had fascination with fire and had set fires before, but doesn't mean anything to me, frankly. Well, he had a major trauma related yep. to fire growing up. Yeah. He watched the home burn down yeah. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Mike testifies that, yeah, Tim and I did not have a good relationship. Um, we did get in that physical altercation, altercation but uh, he didn't fucking poison me. Mm-hmm. Um, a clerk at a gardening store testified that Deborah had purchased the castor seeds. Doctors testified that Mike's symptoms did match with ricin poisoning, and they had found antibodies in such large amounts that it was basically definitive that he had been ex- had long term exposure to massive doses of ricin. That was so hard to say. <laughs> okay. The defense argues that her um, psychotropic medication caused her flat affect at the fire scene. Okay. Um, Also, her bedroom door was not charred or damaged in the fire in any way, which contradicted her story of having her door closed when the fire started. Oh, okay. Like she says, I opened it to flames. Yeah. Or opened it to smoke, which Mm. is obviously not true. The judge ruled that probable cause had been shown to hold Deborah Green for trial and her arraignment date was set for February 8th, with her trial being projected to start in the summer. Because the crime involved more than one victim, the prosecutors decided to request the death penalty. Um, When faced with this possibility, her team brought in Sean O'Brien, a representative of a Missouri anti-capital punishment group. She was deemed by court-appointed psychologists to be competent to stand trial The judge ruled that she would stand trial once for all of the charges instead of being tried separately for each. Mm -hmm. According to her divorce lawyer, when confronted with evidence from the arson investigation, Deborah acknowledged having set the fire that destroyed her home, but denied any memory of the event. She had continued to claim that Tim had been the one to poison Mike. Sick to my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Blaming Uh. it on your dead child. On April 17th, she pled guilty. Well, she pled no contest. Kind of like an Alfred plea. To five charges. Capital murder, arson, attempted murder. In exchange for avoiding the death penalty, um, she agreed to accept a prison sentence of a minimum of 40 years without the possibility of parole. She read a statement to the court in which she said that she understood that the state had substantial evidence and that she had caused her children's death. And though her attorneys were prepared to provide evidence that she had not been in control of herself at the time of her children's death, she was choosing not to contest the state's evidence in the hope that the end of the case would allow her family, especially her surviving daughter, to begin to heal. In the press conference, defense 
counsel, Dennis Moore, told reporters, quote, she's accepting responsibility for the crimes, but I don't think she ever intended to kill her children. Okay. I mean, like, fuck off. Go to jail. (laughs) She was formally sentenced to two concurrent 40-year prison sentences, minus the 192 days she had already served. Um, She's serving her sentence at the Topeka Correctional Facility. Um, As of August 2012, her earliest possible release date is November 21, 2035, when she will be 84. After her sentencing, she continued to maintain that her recall of the night was limited. In the summer of 96, she wrote to her daughter, claiming that she had taken more than the recommended dose of her medications that night. She sent similar letters to Michael Farrar, varied from claims that she had no recollection of the night at all, to firmly stating that she was innocent of the arson. She theorized that Margaret Hacker had set fire to her family's house and reiterated her claim from the show cause hearing that Tim had been the one to poison his father. I can't even... He's getting letters from this fucking... Yeah. Yeah. And the daughter. You are clinically fucking self-centered. Like, you can't even at that point be like, I have done an incredible amount of damage to to your life let me fuck off right let me do the only thing left i can do to love you as a mother fuck off and not talk to you exactly i have to write you telling you your big brother who you loved and took care of you day in and day out he actually might have been a bad guy too like you have to fuck off that's like the plea of like i'm just doing this so my family can heal is such bull you don't care about their healing obviously and the entire plea of like i could fight it and i would win Right. But I'm going to choose not to because I'm a good girl. It's like, are you Donald Trump? Like, you are a (laughs) fucking freak. Uh, She wrote to the author, Anne Rule, in 1996, asserting (laughs) that due to alcohol abuse, she had not had the mental capacity to start the fire at all. In a different interview with Rule, she blamed her cloudy drinking. (laughs) She blamed her cloudy thinking during the court hearings on her Prozac prescription and stated that once she is off the drug, her mind was clearer. So now she's saying, like, I shouldn't have even pled. I was on Prozac. Shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Like, shut the fuck up. The only thing you can do now to help anyone is, like, crawl in a hole and wait for death. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know what you can do for me, Deborah? (laughs) For real, though, like, can you quit damaging people like the more you talk about and the more like you try to defend your own behavior yeah you're like hurting people shut up yeah in 2000 she has a new legal team she files a request for a new trial on the basis of Mm -hmm. oh hey annie when did you get in (laughs) 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 on the basis of having been rendered completely incompetent by the psychiatric medications she was taking at the time of the hearings she alleged her original attorneys had failed to represent her adequately, blah, 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 blah. She withdrew this request from the prosecutors said that they would seek the death penalty if a new trial was awarded. She goes, we Never will mind. kill you if you keep talking <laughs> to me. You're begging me to kill you, bitch. <laughs> In 2004, the Kansas Supreme Court ruled the state's death penalty was unconstitutional. She filed a second request now. Green's attorneys claimed the new scientific techniques invalidated evidence that the fire had been caused by arson. The request was denied in 2005. And that's all. Yeah. I mean, some people. <laughs> some people, I tell you. <laughs> These are one of the stories where at the end, I'm like, I just pray for peace. Like, <laughs> like I'm just praying for peace and healing and love. Like, I'm dejected. Yeah. Take us away, sister. Uh, feel free to absorb that information. Feel free to share the information as the way you heard it. Tell no one. 
Bye, guys. <laughs>